Darwin's theory of evolution hinges on the idea that species gradually evolved through a process of genetic trial and error. In the four billion year history of life on Earth, evolutionists argue, the first single-celled organisms evolved to become me. Those who believe in intelligent design argue that trial and error could never create something so complex in that amount of time. Does the theory of evolution add up? That's a question only a mathematician can answer. When MIT professor Scott Aronson was growing up, he had big dreams. When I was a kid, my dream in life was to create my own video games. You know, video games just amazed me. They were like these entire worlds in miniature. And yet, you know, unlike with the real world, someone must understand exactly how they work, right? Because someone made them. Scott used to imagine that the characters in his video games were built in a factory, like machines. But he eventually figured out that they were actually built from math. You could say, here is the game, and then here's the code of the game. And the code, you know, is not just some description of the game. It is the game, right? You change the code, and then you can watch the game do something different, which is really just a math problem. And, you know, for me, I think that was a revelation comparable to learning where babies come from. This is Profane Faith. He said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, hey, y'all. How you doing out there, podcasters and profane faithers? Yes, another week, another episode, and here we are. My goodness, boy, we got a... Yo, we got a barn burner today, so I ain't going to be taking a lot of time trying to expound because the conversation I'm about to have with this cat uh, is amazing. Uh, but one big announcement, y'all, a big announcement. Um, Profane Faith is on Spotify. Oh, yeah. So go check us out uh, over on Spotify. Please subscribe and uh, like and all that good stuff. Uh, the biggest thing is just, you know, followers and whatnot. So if you want to subscribe, follow, oh man, hook that up. That would that would help us a lot. Um, well, me a lot, <laughs> it'd be great. Um, Spotify's, you know, made it a lot more streamlined now to add um, uh, podcasts and it's cool, it's great. Um, it's very much like iTunes now. So um, just another market, another venue, another platform. So we are just excited. I'm excited um, that we're on there and now, you know, just another area that people can download um you know the podcast this is this is great and our audience is growing uh we're passing you know we're reaching over 2,000 subscribers and you know that doesn't include downloads uh, on specific issues or issues specific uh, episodes uh so things are things are good i am uh, i'm excited and this this uh platform here on 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 spotify will only intensify uh in a good way so go on check it out y'all pro Fame faith if you know if you got the itunes thing or whatever you got going over there and even if you have uh, again if you even if you have spotify and you know like oh man do a brother a favor go on over there follow it click like and uh you know hook it up all right appreciate you oh my goodness well there is so much stuff happening uh y'all catch that r kelly interview oh my goodness with gail oh mercy um there's so much to get into there y'all if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen uh, back. Uh, we had a three-part series here on Profane Faith on R. Kelly. 
looking at uh, just the effects of sexual abuse, the effects of um, being believed, particularly as a woman, particularly as a black woman, um, and then just, you know, the long-term effects of sexual abuse on folks. And so uh, three amazing women uh, shared their story, shared their uh, experience, their knowledge, and, you know, really just connected with, you know, this whole R. Kelly thing. And again, like I, like I said in the episodes there, you know, R. Kelly thing is much bigger uh, than just R. Kelly. So go check them out. Check them out. They're, you know, again, if you're subscribing, you listen to this in real time, you probably already heard it. But again, go check a brother out uh, on those uh, or go check the podcast out, I should say, uh, in those uh, in those three uh, three part series. Y'all, this week, this is a, a great conversation. Uh, brother Perry Marshall, he's written a book called Evolution 2.0. Breaking the Deadlock Between Darwinism and Design, or Darwin and Design. Um, this is a, a book put out by Ben Bella Publishers. Uh, I, they, uh, it, actually, this comes uh, in recommendation from uh, my doctor, my chiropractor, um, Dr. D- Dr. Weiss. Uh, so thank you. Much love out to you, Brother Weiss, uh, for recommending. He actually had uh, Brother Perry Marshall on his podcast and um, then he was like, man, you need to have him on your podcast. And I was like, man, I reached out. So things worked out. We connected. Y'all, this conversation is is deep. I like it. Now, um, you know, I you, you already know. If you know me, you already know that I'm into like all kind of great science things. It's a great um, shift from dealing in the social sciences and communication theory and religious studies um, to get into, you know, applied science. And this is a very well written book. It is a very well laid out book, I have to admit. Uh, it's very well documented. Um, it is, it's, it is, it's, it's an exploratory kind of look at, if you will, evolution. And it challenges, I believe, the notions that we have of evolution. He's, I don't want to take any of the thunder away from him, but he's got some, he's got some pretty cool stuff in there in regards to, um, you know, how we think of evolution. How do we think of it, you know, in the sense of the Bible, right? I mean, so many people get their undies in a bunch about that, that we're not teaching creationism, you know, young earth and, uh, you know, dinosaurs existed alongside with humans. If they, you know, that's the belief that they even existed, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, evolution is, a, you know, a myth and, and uh, you know, we got to, that's just, that's part of secularism creeping into Christian spirituality. So, man, he gets into it. Um, the book is broken down into, let's see, he's got seven, there's seven parts and a conclusion. Uh, some appendices, um, starting out with uh, the young earth, creationist and his curious daughter, the road to code. Um, you know, evolving religion. He's talking about his own self, and we talk about this here in the podcast as well. Neo-Darwinism dilemma, and gets into evolution 2.0, its implication for science, and then ends on uh, what, it, why should I care, and what should I do? Um, yeah, this is some good stuff. And uh, again, Perry Marshall, I'll put the links to his website. He's going to give some links as well. I'll put the link to the book. Um, and here's the thing. With these type of conversations, I just think, one, I, you have to hear good, valid arguments, whether we agree with them or not, but you have to hear them and just, and just kind of critically interrogate it. And at the same time, I think it's important because I don't think we catch everything as it pertains to this world. We barely understand just our own existence, let alone how life evolved on this planet. Now, um, I'm kind of a centrist on this. I do believe God, but I also don't believe in a young earth. And I don't necessarily, I do believe in forms of evolution, uh, as well. And so for me, it's, it's much broader than just a binary camp and environment. And that's really the conversation, uh, that, uh, Perry and I have. So, like I said, I ain't going back. I was, I, was, I was as brief as I could. Six under six minutes, under seven minutes, I think. <laughs> Either way, uh, check this conversation out with uh, Brother Perry Marshall. And again, subscribe on Spotify and, you know, hit a brother back. Let me know what you think about this uh, evolution idea. All right? All right. Here we go. No, that's so, cool. I, I am delighted to be talking to you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Perry. It's great, great to have you on here. Uh, this is a fascinating book. I definitely want to get into that. But before uh, I do that, I'd love to, folks to, to get to know you a little bit, man. How did you, how did you arrive at this? <laughs> well, I grew up 
in a very conservative church in Lincoln, Nebraska, and my dad was a pastor, and my mom's dad was a pastor, and my dad's brother was a missionary, and my mom's brother worked at a Christian radio station, and so, like, I had all these, (laughs) you know, I, I mean, I grew up in conservative, Protestant, evangelical Christianity, and, um, and, and so, Boy, there's so I, th- there's a few memories. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of stories uh-huh. that will maybe give you a framework. Um, one story is when I was about 14, this guy named John Whitcomb came to our church and hmm. he spent a week. It was like every night, you know, one of those deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was a creation scientist. Okay. And, uh, he, he explained all about how the earth is 6,000 years old and all of the geology and the dinosaur bones and everything is because of Noah's flood. And I totally ate it up because, because I was a science geek and I thought that was way more interesting than parsing Greek and Hebrew (laughs) and stuff like that. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, And now uh, and and I also remember I also went to a Christian school and I had this dinosaur book and it had all the stuff about, you know, the dinosaurs are 65 million years old. And and my teacher said, oh, just laugh at that. Huh? Just say, ha, ha, ha. Very funny. They're not that old. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, my church background sort of wallpapered all of this stuff. Um, and, and And I remember... When I was uh, out of college, I was having this discussion with a group of coworkers, and at this point, I was pretty well versed in defending Christian beliefs. Okay, um, and 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 they could tell. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like you're you could tell they're starting to go okay don't mess with perry if 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 you're going to talk about if you're going to say well there was jesus didn't exist or something like like you're going to get the horns from perry because he he knows how to respond to all that but but one of my one of the guys at work he goes okay but if you're going to tell me that the earth is six thousand years old and uh and like humanity is the way it is because some woman ate an apple uh you just lost me right there and and what i really um what i realized as soon as he said that was um oh you know what i've seen enough like little bits of contrary evidence that yeah i know i can't defend this young earth thing so i just i left it alone but Mm. it was like okay you know what you might you might want to go investigate that. Now let me let me tell you. So that's one story. Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. you a little bit. Come on. Here, here's a here's another story. Okay. When I was twelve, my mom went bipolar. Mm, mm, okay. But except we didn't know what that was. I got you. I got you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All we knew was. The fighting starts as soon as you come home from school, and it doesn't stop until after bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was like you know, like you walk in the house and you're like, um, should I duck, <laughs> or like is everything going to be fine? Like, am I going to oh, Perry, you're so wonderful, or am like, am I going to get hit by a two by four? I got you. Right? I got yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, um, and so I, I had a brother and a sister my dad works at the church and mom is kind of acting crazy and everybody can tell. And like the people at church are like, uh, Bob, you know, according to first Timothy, a pastor is supposed to have his, you know, family in line and, you know, yeah, and all yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And so they're, they, they start turning down the screws on him. Like, oh, wow. dude, like you need to straighten this out. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So he's casting about, he's trying, he doesn't know what is going on. Eventually gets her in front of a psychiatrist. Hmm. And the psychiatrist says, well, she's got a chemical imbalance. 
she's bipolar with mild schizophrenia. You need this drug. You need this drug. Try that. Well, the board of elders got wind Uh of the fact that he had taken her to a psychiatrist and they didn't like psychiatrists. Oh, man. Not at all. Oh, man. And so they asked him to resign. They said, all right, you know, we can give you this other job, like working in the back office. So, like, we'll still write you checks and everything, but you can't be in leadership. And, you know, you can't get the tax deduction and, you know, like all this stuff. And in the next Sunday, the this pastor gets up in front of 2,000 people on Sunday morning, because hmm. this is like a pretty big church. And he goes, well, you know, because of some problems with Betty and the family, Bob has stepped down. It was like this humiliating Oh, wow. Thing. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, boy, uh, you know, like people didn't know what to say and we kind of felt like outcasts and, you know, a lot of people aren't really talking to us and, um, and, you know, I've got relatives saying, Bob, you should hightail it out of that place, you know, but my dad decided, he goes, you know what, I'm going to stick it out and I'm going to vindicate myself. Uh, because what happened was after they got my mom on medication, um, she improved dramatically. And, um, the pastor of this church was a very powerful, intimidating guy. And Mm. my dad was literally the only guy in the board of elders that had the cojones to challenge this guy. Yeah. And, and he got in his face and he said, listen, my wife was not rebellious and she's not in sin. She had a medical condition and she went to a, uh, a psychologist who has a medical degree, which is what a psychiatrist is. And, and we diagnosed a medical problem and she's better. And you owe my wife an apology and you need to reinstate me because we didn't do anything wrong. And he got his job back. Wow. Whoa. And, and he got an apology and, and he got a letter from the senior pastor that, you know, Betty, you know, you're, you know, so like they straightened it out. Wow. But can you see, um, from my two little stories that there was maybe a little bit of hostility between science and religion where I came from? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, yes. Okay. So, so, so here's what happens. So, I grow up, I move to Chicago, I, I get involved in engineering and business, and, and, and that's kind of the path I go. My younger brother stays very tightly connected to that world. Like, like to, by their standards, I sort of became a bra-burning liberal. I started going to Willow <laughs> Creek. You know, I mean, you know how crazy those guys are, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, compared at least compared to where I grew up. No, I I I feel you, man. I feel you. So I, (laughs) um, and and but my my brother stayed really tight with that world, and he went to a very very conservative seminary, and he came out and he became a missionary, and he moved to China, and he's and he started being an undercover missionary teaching English in China. Okay. And so, so he was like totally wedded to the original conservatism. He really did not move far from that at all. I kind of, I was like, Hey, you know what? I think we need to rethink some of these things. I think, uh, I think there's some forms and some dogmas that need to be taken apart and put back together. So we were, you know, I was still absolutely a Christian, but you know, we, we kind of diverged. Well, yeah. About, um, well, four years after he moved to China, he was almost an atheist. He had just, like, cracked. And um, Hmm. because he started, so he's in China, and he is no longer in a controlled environment. 
he is not in the clean room with the white gloves where okay you you read yeah. this and you don't yeah. read that and yeah. we're not going to have psychology he's the not in that room. environment anymore i like that yeah he can think for himself for the first time in his life he's got the internet he's He's in this completely different culture, which, of course, all by itself just kind of throws everything up in the air. Absolutely. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. Hey, <laughs> Earth isn't 6,000 years old. Hey, wait a minute. What about this? What about that? And it was like he had gotten this Excel spreadsheet of exact <laughs> answers. And that spreadsheet was unraveling. It was like, oh, if I change that number, then this number changes, and then this one changes. And wow. the whole wow. thing was just falling apart, okay? Well, so there weren't a lot of people that he could talk to about this stuff, except there was me. Hmm. And so we got these emails going back and forth literally for a couple of years. Okay. And he's just like, I'm like, I'm trying to answer his questions. Now, let's just remember something. When your brother has a master's degree in theology and he knows Greek and Hebrew, dude, that that guy knows where the bones are buried. <laughs> and, okay, yeah. and, and if, if you have not had a theological argument with a skeptic until you've had it with a skeptic who has a master's degree in theology. There you go. There you go. <laughs> right? Right. And so he is dragging me into the deep end of the pool, and I'm thrash. I'm kind of thrashing. Okay, like I thought I'd seen everything, which is a whole story I don't have time for. I'd done a lot of this kind of stuff at this point, but I've never gone to the places that where he's at. Hmm. And and I go to visit him in China, um, and just before he moved back, and. I get there and I'm like, ooh, he's totally thrown this thing out the window. Hmm. Like when we were emailing a month or two ago, I like I caught I thought he was still trying to figure this out. Like he's done trying to figure this out. He's done. <laughs> no, like this is my brother. Yeah. Yeah. This is freaking me out. And we're on this bus. We're in this tiny little bus and we're in the foothills of the Himalayas and you know, it's like we're supposed to be having a great day. We're we're arguing. Is that right? We're having this. We're having this fight in the back of the bus, and I f I feel like he's 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 dragging me to the jagged edge with all these questions, and I go, okay, Brian, <laughs> Brian, stop. Okay, I said, look at the hand at the end of your arm. I said, I'm an engineer, and this is an amazing piece of engineering. You don't think this is an accumulation of random accidents, do you? And he goes, hold on. <laughs> and he just comes back. And you've, everybody's like heard this answer, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Well, all you need is random mutation of genes and natural selection and yeah. millions of years. Yeah. And yeah. You're going to get a hand, dude. Like you don't need a designer. Well, I am an electrical engineering engineer by training and like, you know how like in a conversation like that, these can be so intense that you are trained to be 10 chess moves ahead. And like I jumped 10 chess moves ahead and I thought, okay, two things, a I have never seen anything in engineering that would validate what he's saying. Like as an engineer, I don't think they've explained a way how you get a hand, but I don't actually know. Okay. I do. All right. Like I, like I kind of, again, like 10 chefs moves in 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know, I know probably most biologists would more agree with him than me. And I don't know why. Like, they can't be stupid. So, like, what's the deal? And that's where Evolution 2.0 came from. I, I was like, okay, he's already drugged me to the edge with all these questions. And you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to, 
I know a lot about science because of my engineering background and my career experience. Like I've done a lot of things. And like when you've done something professionally, you know that you know that you know certain things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take all of my background and see, I think engineering is less squishy than theology. Okay. All right. How so? so I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to use this. You know what? Is the hand at the end of my arm a result of random accidents? You know, if it is, if the biologists are right, wow. I might be an atheist too. I don't know. But I'm going to find out and I am not going to ignore anything like if 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 I come across some fact and it seems to contradict everything I think I know, I am not going to ignore it. I'm going to put it up on the chalkboard. I might reserve judgment on it, but I'm not erasing it. I'm not erasing anything. Mm-hmm. And here we go. And I said, I am going to let science make this decision for me. And so basically I stopped arguing with Brian and tried as best as I could to have a pleasant visit. Yeah. My brother in China. And then I went home and when I got home, man, dude, I started buying books and I started going to websites and I'm like, what do the biologists know something the engineers don't know? The engineers know something the biologists don't know. Is science and religion in some kind of a war with each other or can they work together? I don't know. But here we go. And I just it was like leaping into a void. It was like one of those trust exercises, except I'm leaping forward and I don't even know that anybody's there. But here we go. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, well, I mean, you've, you you said a whole bunch of different things on this, man. So as 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 we approach this text, as we approached, um, you know, this this idea of evolution 2.0, how would you break down sort of the premise of this? I mean, when you think about, yes, the Earth being, you know, is 8,000, 10,000 and millions of years old, man, how have you kind of wrestled with some of those questions and some of those areas and... Um, you know, like I like to tell some folks, you know, particularly, you know, when we start thinking about history. I mean, none of us have a DeLorean that can go 88 miles an hour and, you know, go back in time. And, you know, we can't, you know, say to go see it face to face. Right. So there is science and there is, you know, so these aspects that we can, you know, can we lean upon that? So how have you wrestled with some of those things that, you know, where some scientists say, oh, man, this carbon dating goes all the way back, you know, this X a million years or, you know, but then you you still have, you know, certain folks who I have colleagues of mine at where I teach that are still, you know, saying that the Earth is a very young a young earth mm-hmm. model and stuff. Have you gone back and forth and, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming you're still a man, man of faith. I am. I am. In fact, I, I, my faith is stronger by far than it was when we had that argument on that bus. And that, that was 15 years ago. Hmm. But I would also say that, um, what I put, I put all my beliefs on a big anvil and I took a big sledgehammer and I pound, not only did I pound on him as hard as I knew how, I invited, you could almost say the whole world to pound on him, okay? And it was like, what's going to be left of Christianity when I get done and when everybody else gets done with their hammers? What's going to be left? And and so so here's, here's what happened. Mm-hmm. So I think... I think the question that I asked in the bus, do the biologists know something the engineers don't? That was a great question. Okay. In fact, it's a very productive question because let me remind everybody, we can now edit genes as easily as Microsoft Word now. It's it's called CRISPR, okay? Mm. And And like literally, like there's, there's students in biology labs all over the world. You can buy a CRISPR gene editing kit on Amazon for 169 bucks, and you can be editing <laughs> bacteria genes uh, with two day shipping. Okay, <laughs> okay, it's all on right? the pri- it's on the Prime account. Okay. <laughs> and furthermore, furthermore, everything the artificial intelligence guys are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Siri and Alexa and all that stuff, 
They're all trying to imitate biology. Okay. Okay. So do the, do the biologists know something the engineers don't? Well, in a sense they do. Okay. Because if Siri was even as smart as your dog, which it's obviously not, right? Siri is like just a dumb robot, right? But it like, if even like if you tell your dog, like, don't eat that steak, your dog actually understands what you are saying. Siri doesn't understand anything. Siri is just pre-programmed commands in a database, right? Yeah. Siri is not like your dog, okay? So in the AI front, if if the engineers knew what the biologists are studying about, mm-hmm. okay, then we would have a quantum leap. And secondly, if we're going to start messing with genetics, yeah, which we are, then we doggone well better know. Like, so I realized it isn't what do the biologists know? It's more like what do the cells know? What do the organisms know? What does your body know? What does your immune system know? So here, here's what I here's what I found out. What I found out is right off the top, nobody knows where life came from okay all right nobody okay that is a big giant gaping mystery okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i isolated it to an even narrower question where does code come from i have a five million dollar technology prize it's called the evolution 2.0 prize Hmm. if you go to herox.com you'll find it's the so HeroX is the site Peter Diamandis put it together. Okay. And it's there's hundreds and hundreds of projects where people um, offer anywhere from thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to solve technological problems. We are the largest prize on HeroX. Hmm. Five million bucks. If you can get a code without designing one, we will pay for the patents, and when the patent's granted, we will write you a $5 million check because we want to own that technology, okay? Nobody knows where the genetic code come from. All of the other codes in the world are designed. Interesting. HTML, barcode, zip code, okay? And, you know, as this evolved, I'm not even – I'm not trying to prove that you can't figure this out. I'm not trying to prove – that nobody can solve this problem. I'm not even trying to prove that God designed the genetic code as though God is a programmer, okay? I'm not really trying to say that. What I am trying to say is, if you don't know the answer, mm-hmm. you you don't get to make up a story. Yeah. Fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, nobody knows where life came from. Furthermore, yeah. the second part is, So, a lot of Christians in particular, but religious people in general, are sometimes offended at the idea that we evolved from lower animals and that evolution is how the world got to be the way it is. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Well, let me just ask everybody listening, I want want to ask you some questions. So... I'm speaking to the person who's kind of sour on the idea. Like, don't tell me about apes and primates and, you know, that that little drawing of monkeys turning into men. I don't like that drawing. So I want to speak to that person. You know, there's a scripture that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and you knit me in my mother's womb now You can now, you could go on YouTube and you can watch high definition, spectacular videos that actually show in the womb, you've got an embryo, the cells are dividing, it turns into this baby, you can see the spinal cord, you can see the heart beating, you can see the brain, and you see that thing go from sperm and egg to a baby. I don't know how many people I've heard say, The day I watched my baby being born was like the day I knew that there was something bigger out there. You know, they Mm. they had like a spiritual experience just witnessing a birth, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, now I don't I don't know anybody who thinks that God knit me in my mother's womb means that God was like sticking his fingers in there, putting things together. It's like, no, it it has its own built-in pre-programmed flourishing of what it does. And, and it's natural, but it's like miraculously natural. It's so spectacular that it it's almost ineffable, right? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It doesn't take anything away from God for the conception and gestation of a baby mm-hmm. to be an amazingly natural process. God is yeah. not in competition with your wife's womb for like who gets the credit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's just back that up to the development of life itself. Okay. I'm following. God is not in competition with the earth. God is not in competition with nature. God is not in competition with science. If life was birthed through a progressive process that started with a single cell, why is that any less majestic than the single cell in a mother's womb. Mm. It's almost fractal. It's like, okay, a cell turns into a baby in a mother's womb. A cell turns into a million ecosystems in the earth. The mother is the mother. Earth is the mother. Like, what's the problem? Hmm. Why is Why are you insulted by that? Um, I think it's it's majestic and glorious, but from an engineering point of view, this is the question I asked. Okay. I uh, it, so have you ever taken antibiotics? And the doctor said, "Finish this bottle all the way down." Uh, yep, all the time. Fourteen days, like you don't stop yeah. when the infection's gone. You don't stop. You. Uh, yep. Be, okay, because if you don't, you get a sick. The stuff comes back. Yeah, with a vengeance. Yes, right? Right. The the bugs become super bugs. <laughs> right. Right? Right. Okay, now, what most people have never heard is how the bugs become super bugs. So this is what's actually going on. Let's say you, you got strep, and so you start taking antibiotics. So you got these strep germs in your body, and all of a sudden you got this antibiotic and it's poison, and the poison is leaking in the, into the cell wall of the strep germs, and the germs are going, man, this is killing me. If I don't pump this poison out of my system, I'm dead. That germ will start going around through your body, and it will look for another cell that has a pump. Hmm. Okay. Now, cells, all cells have a Dropbox folder. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm following okay. you. I'm following you. It's called a plasmid, but it's a copy of their DNA, and it's for the purpose of file sharing. Interesting. Okay. 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 All right. All right. And that germ will find another cell that has a pump and say, hey, give me some of that DNA. And it will pull it in, read it, find the part that codes for a pump, insert it into its own DNA, read the code, build a pump, pump the antibiotic poison out of its body, update its Dropbox folder, (laughs) start sharing code with all its strep friends, and divide off new strep germs that have pumps. And you know how fast that happens? Tell me. Come on. 30 minutes. 30 minutes? Yes. Whoa. Okay. Now, that right there is evolution in real time. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yes, sir. Evolution happens because organisms control their own genetics they edit their own genes, they respond to threats, 
they're like people in in hazardous situations. They innovate. They try this. They're MacGyver. They, you know, well, let's, you know, let's let's grab this tool over here. Well, what if we put it together with this? Mm-hmm. And most of the time they fail, but some of the time they succeed. It's an intelligent process. Mm. Okay, and 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 if you if you go look at at actual in the lab evolutionary developments they all resemble that bacteria story that i just told you it is absolutely astonishing because it's not just building a baby which is inc- impressive enough it's reengineering a different baby that is more suited to the environment than its parents were. Okay, and and now biologists know at a surface level mm-hmm. how all this works. They don't they don't understand it well enough that they could go to Apple or Microsoft and say, okay, so Here's how you design a self-adapting, self-evolving version of Microsoft Windows instead of Redmond Washington have to upload all these updates all the time. Okay, so think of it like this. I imagine, did you ever use DOS back in the day? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I came through on DOS, yes. Okay. <laughs> I want you to imagine... Daniel. <laughs> yeah. I want you to imagine that Bill Gates came out with DOS in 1981 and nobody at Microsoft ever touched that code since. Hmm. Hands off the keyboards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No payroll, no insurance. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And that DOS program evolves a windows desktop. And it evolves a Microsoft Word, and it evolves Excel, and it evolves internet connections, and it evolves antivirus software, and it sends out the antivirus updates to all the other computers automatically. Would you be impressed? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if it did, is <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's how people of faith mm-hmm. should think of evolution. Okay. All right. I'm... It's damn impressive. Hmm. And it doesn't happen by accident. Woo. Okay, that's yes. the thing. Yes, 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 yes. Now this is this is when you go over to the atheist side, there's all these very popular evolution books by people like Richard Dawkins and Jerry Coyne and all these Daniel Dennett, okay? Yeah, yeah. All of these books, they all tell you that this just happens through random copying errors and accidental mutations. No. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not random. It's yeah. not accidental. How that strep germ figures out, okay, who's got a pump? Where's the code that codes for the pump? Where do I stick it in? How do I read that code? How do I share it with all my friends? None of that's accidental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all those books are really tracks for atheism. Okay. Any, for any atheism. Richard Dawkins book, uh-huh. they're all, he's, he's all, it's, it's really, I'm a marketer, by the way. Okay. It's a brilliant piece of propaganda. Okay. 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 And it's not more than half true. Okay. Mm. And the half that he doesn't tell you would make any person with common sense believe in God. Okay. All right. I'm okay. Yes, yes. So think I I think of the universe itself, or even the Big Bang, like a sperm and egg. Okay. Like it's almost like this giant question. So what is baked into that equation? Yeah. How much how much flourishing and life can come out of that? 
and see so if 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 you're to 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 summarize evolution 2.0 in two sentences yeah darwinists underestimate nature and creationists underestimate god hmm Ooh, repeat that one that will preach that'll preach come on <laughs> darwinists <laughs> yeah underestimate nature okay it's not random it's not accidental it's re-engineering itself all the time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay creationists underestimate god in other words god does not have to show up over and over and over in the earth oh we got to fix this oh we got to oh you know we need yes. a new species oh we got to do this it's kind of so i do lots of business consulting yeah one of the reasons you should admire McDonald's is because a 16-year-old can go in there and start dunking French fries, and they're, and they're perfectly done every time, and Ray Kroc hasn't been in any of those restaurants in 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay? Ray Kroc designed a system for making business happen, like, okay— 16-year-old job application. Okay, here you go. These are the burgers. These are the buns. These are the fries. Go at it. And everybody gets their stuff. Okay? And it's all like the thing runs itself. Okay? That's how I think the earth is. That's how I think nature is. That's how I think science is. And listen, it takes... So you go to, you go to some everybody's been to a restaurant where like the owner does like a third of everything and he's just running around like yeah. a chicken with his head cut off. Right. 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 Okay. Ray Kroc is way more impressive than like your typical, you know, guy washing dishes and making grilling hamburgers and stuff. Right. Right. Well, if, if evolution is true, then God's like more like Ray Kroc and he's less like the frenetic guy running around the kitchen and, oh, you know, let's check on the customers. We got to run in the dining room and, oh no, you know, somebody spilled their water. We got to, God's got to clean it up. Like, that's not how nature works. And, and so Darwinists underestimate nature, creationists underestimate God. That's what that means. Man. This is deep. This is fascinating <laughs> stuff right here, brother. I tell you, my socks are blown off here in Chicago, even though it's 20-something degrees. Um, <laughs> this is this is fascinating because you're right. I mean, I have, as I've traveled my own journey as well, I mean, I, I'm fascinated with astronomy and astrophysics, so I'm trying to eat up as many books and, and mm. science things as much as, as, much as I can. Um, and one of the problems I've had, though, is, you know, what they call the primordial soup and that, you know, you have to have that in order to. But you're absolutely right. right when scientists come back and even in the journals, folks are still kind of up in the arms about, well, you know, really don't know where life came from. Was it an asteroid that brought bacteria to the Earth right. and this and this and that? And I love the analogy. I think you, I think it was you who actually said this. It would be like if it would be like if a tornado hit a junkyard and was automatically assembled a seven forty seven ready to fly off the runway. <laughs> well, you know that that is okay. If if you take the most commonly quoted version of evolution, yeah, that is essentially what they're saying. But see. There's another version of evolution. It's all over the literature. So, so here's a, here's another little facet of this journey. Mm -hmm. When, so I, I go home from China. Like literally, when I got home from the trip, the very next day, I'm on Amazon. I'm ordering books. I'm like, I I think Amazon stock went up just from <laughs> me. Okay, and like you, like I got a lot of books here, as you can see, right. I mean, I bet I have at least 200 biology and evolution books. I probably got at least another 100 or 150, you know, cosmology, physics, astronomy. I mean, I went deep. And and very quickly, I figured out, okay, Perry, you're not going to get anywhere listening to the zealots arguing with each other. Okay? okay. That's yeah. useless. I 
very quickly. It's like, dude, you got to delve into the deep scientific literature. You've got to actually read the papers. Okay. You can't just take the, like the, you know, top 40 stir fry, you know, simplified version of it from somebody else. So I start going down into the scientific literature. And what I start finding is there's all these experiments where they figured out, oh, you know, these corn plants are rearranging their genes in 30 minutes and they're repairing broken chromosomes and they're adapting to all these situations in real time and they're doing it with these very precise protocols. Okay, so it's like it's more like the 747 assembles itself. Yeah, which literally that is really more like the true picture of how nature works. It's kind of like your body, like, like when you go to the hospital, you have surgery or, or you go to the doctor, you know, the doctors aren't, they're really fixing your body. All they're doing is enabling your body to heal itself. Hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, your body is doing 95% of the heavy lifting. Like, okay, a guy sets a broken bone. Like, okay, he had to do that. But then your body does the rest. Okay? Yeah. So, yeah. like, I I really, we have barely scratched the scratch on the surface of what nature is capable of and what it really does. And the people on both extremes are completely missing the punchline completely. Hmm. Okay. Again, back to that Ray Kroc analogy. Yes. If, if the, if the best business is a business that runs itself and the founder and the owner does not have to show up every day and dunk French fries. Like if we understand that's the definition of a great business, then w why, why, why do you want a God who has to like repeatedly show up and like do all these things? Like if you, and here's what is interesting. If you read Genesis one and two, mm -hmm. right? The creation stories, there's yes. two of them. Okay. So next time you read Genesis one and two, I want you to make three simple assumptions. Okay. And here's what they are. Okay. Number one, a day is a period of time. It's not 24 hours. Okay? Okay. Number two, the sequence that's in Genesis 1 where all these things happen is given from a particular vantage point, and it's what you see from the surface of the earth. It's not told from outer space. Okay. And then here's the third assumption. Adam wasn't the first human. Adam was the first prophet. Mm, all right, brother. You throwing some okay. mustard on that now. <laughs> <laughs> if you take those three assumptions and you read Genesis one and two in three, science and the biblical narrative go together just fine. There's no conflict. Hmm. Hmm. The universe is very old. It's like Adam and Eve were not the first humans. So, for example, Cain kills Abel. And he goes, oh, crap. If anybody finds me, they're going to kill me. And he runs off. He gets married to some woman, and he builds a city. Wait a minute. I thought he was the only... I thought Adam and Eve and Cain were like the only humans. No. <laughs> Why would you... Who are you building a city for if there's only three humans in the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the implication is sitting right there in the text. Mm -hmm. There's other people around. There's... There's mention in the Talmud. There's even suggestions, even in Genesis, that there's like other creatures and other things and stuff. Adam, 
Adam was the first person to get an assignment from God. And what did he do? He ran the other direction. Hmm. Okay. See, you okay. flipping flip the script on this. All right. Come, come on with it, Perry. Come on, brother. Okay. So, so, so the fall of man is not the first evil in the world. In fact, Romans five. Okay. Can I, can I just pull up Romans five? I want to read you please, this. Okay. Please come on and give you a different way. Um. The, uh, this is another. Uh, you know, uh, script flip. Okay. So Romans five twelve. So then just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. Okay. This is not physical death. This is spiritual death. Mm -hmm. This is disconnection from God. That is what this means. Okay. So death spread to all people because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but there is no accounting for sin where there is no law. Now, the question is, what law is he talking about? He's not talking about the Mosaic law. Hmm. He's talking about the law given to Adam. So before the law was given, before God gave Adam an instruction... Sin was in the world. Mm. But there is no accounting for sin when there is no law. People were killing each other. People were raping each other. Tribes were going and burning the village down and taking all the stuff. But there was no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam until Moses. <laughs> okay. Even over those who did not sin in the same way that Adam sinned. Interesting. Interesting. But the gracious gift is not like the transgression. So, original sin is God gives you an assignment and you run the other way. That's what original sin is. And it's transmitted by knowledge. There was no sin before there was no knowledge of what God wanted. But God shows up and he's like, hey, everybody, we got a new game in town. We got a new direction we want the cosmos to evolve. We want to get to eventually things like equality and human rights and all this kind of stuff. And we can't have that while everybody's conking people in the head and Rog hits Grog with a baseball bat and all that. Like, that's not, that's not what God wants from humanity. It's like, hey... Hey, why you know? Why don't I teach you to name the animals? Why don't I teach you to you know, uh, to like? Why don't we walk together in the cool of the day? And Adam's like, no, I don't really think I need that. And then Adam gets thrown back into this evolutionary world that suddenly, for the first time, he's like, oh, this really sucks. <laughs> he didn't know it sucked before that. That was just like the rules of Darwin or whatever. But now it's like, oh, wow. And so, and so sin spreads through knowledge. When you suddenly know you're not supposed to live that way, but you are living that way and you have that knowledge, then that's what sin is. And okay, so how, how is God's mercy transmitted? How is salvation transmitted? Same way, through knowledge. Okay, all right. Okay, so this actually untangles a whole bunch of problems. And... So the, this is kind of how I put things together. And so, and so, so, you know, so there's a version of evolution, which is like an arms race, which is, um, the, the strap versus Daniel, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, and you're taking yeah. antibiotics, right? Okay. So like, that's one kind of evolution, but see, as soon as somebody says something like, you know, a truly evolved human society would have affordable health care for everyone. You are now in a completely different plane because that's not arms race. That is, oh, you know, even handicapped people are made in the image of God and women are made in the image of God and children are made in the image of God and people of all colors and races and creeds are made in the image of God. And so we need to treat everybody like they're a princess or a prince or a king or a queen. That's not evolution. 
right? Mm -hmm. Evolution is like you kill the kids with Down syndrome. The kingdom of God is you take care of them. Mm. Because, because the image of God is even in the least of these. This is why the New Testament, like the Sermon on the Mount, is like the new evolutionary manifesto. Hey, you know, I know it used to work that way, but now it works this way. See, now you turn the other cheek. Now when somebody asks you to walk one mile, you go two. And we completely flip the thing on its head. And where I think we're at in our society right now mm -hmm. is we know at a certain level that we're supposed to embrace, I call it evolution omega. There's like evolution alpha, evolution <laughs> omega, right? Yeah. Like, like every we we're in this half aware state where, well, is it an arms race or like, do I feed the poor or how does this work? And well, the first thing is you have to make a distinction between the two, but then you also have to recognize that only through the divine logos through the imprinting of, of the, of, of the divine in the soul of every individual. That's the only way you get to evolution Omega. Mm. Wow. Perry Marshall. This is, uh, this is, this is, I like this. This is a good new way to think about again, origins and, and where we come from. Let me, I know our time is nigh, but let me ask you a few questions here, man, in regards to, so for example, I mean, are, are you, uh, are you, for against or do you, how do you see the big bang and particularly since you know i know i know big bang is being talked about and rethought through oh, yeah. and all that good stuff and everything i love the big bang so so here's here's so big bang theory says that the entire universe started as single point boom and then matter energy space time all, all expands and goes forward and then stars form and planets and everything so let me tell you interesting fact about the big bang come on so so under your kitchen sink, you probably got uh, a squirt bottle and on the nozzle at the end, like you can twist it one way and it's a mist and you twist it another way and it's a stream. Mm -hmm. And then there's like this happy medium right in the middle. Yes. Okay. So the same is true with the expansion of the universe. If the universe had expanded a little bit faster, it would spray out like mist and it wouldn't even form stars. It would just be tiny particles of matter just going out into an infinity, okay? If if it was a little less strength, it would come back and collapse in upon itself from its own gravity. Do you know how fine the difference is between too much and too little? <laughs> Man, break it down, tell me. 0.000000001% with 120 zeros. Get out of here, man. Okay. It's that fine. Like just for stars to form and for matter to form versus collapsing in or going out in a spray and never coming back. The 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 fine balance mm. just to have matter is 120 decimals of precision. Okay. The mass of a proton, the mass of a neutron, the the, the gravitational force, the 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 uh, the negative charge of electron, all of these things have to be so perfectly fine-tuned just for a universe that makes any sense. And so and so I see the Big Bang as being sort of like um, it's it's like the newborn baby. You even have the nature versus nurture question. It's like the, well, how much of this is like baked into the equation and how much of it is worked out in relationship in the dynamics of its own freedom to go where it wants to go. Like, I don't even know, but see, I think the big bang is an absolutely beautiful thing. And, um, and, and, you know, we, we do have to wrap, but I, Fred Hoyle, Hmm. was a fervent atheist who hated the Big Bang Theory, and he coined the term Big Bang because he wanted an insulting term because he didn't like it. The reason, the reason he didn't like it was he thought the universe was eternal and didn't require an explanation, and when he realized, oh, this all came from one infinitely small point, 
a certain time ago. Now we have to explain what caused that to happen. And I don't really want to think about that. Okay. So, so, you know, physicists are, I would, you know, there's a lot of biologists that are like, Oh, there is no God. Um, I find physicists to be a lot more, um, willing to admit what they don't know. And, you know, there's a, there's a statement attributed to Werner Heisenberg. I don't know if he said it or not, but it's, um, the, the first taste of materialism, materialistic science will make you an atheist, but you will find God at the bottom of the glass. (laughs) That's a good word. So I, I totally believe in God. I th- I think I think our job as people, as human beings, investigating, researching, as scientists, whoever we are, is like, well, how deep does this rabbit hole go? Absolutely. And the answer is, we don't know. Yeah. But yeah. man, it's 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 an amazing amazing universe we live in. Yes, sir. Well, Perry, man, thank you so much for taking this time out. It uh, the the hour flew by. It is you know we barely scratched the surface. But folks, the book is Evolution 2.0. I will put links to this uh, and more uh, in the show notes. Perry, where can folks find you? You know when they want to bring you out and 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 get and claim that five million dollar prize <laughs> of, of code and everything. Well, I, I have an Evolution 2.0 podcast, and we do lots of interesting interviews with all kinds of interesting people, so I want to let you know about that. If you go to evo2.org, evo2.org, you can find everything there, social media, podcasts, contact information, links to the book, links to the prize, and you know, we'd love to write somebody a $5 million check, and um, and. Daniel, this has been fun, like crazy fun. <laughs> this has been good. Yes, sir. Well, again, thank you for taking the time out uh, to chat. And I am going to look down the road. So I got to get you back on and, and, and continue. Other, I have so many other questions, but thank you so much for <laughs> breaking this down, brother. All right. Thank you, Daniel. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. Hey, you, let me get a minute of your time real quick. Y'all looking for a great speaker? You looking for somebody to work out issues with faith and race and intersectionality? Well, why don't you come check me out? Whitehodge.com. You can come check me out, get an inquiry, see some of the work that I've done. But here's the other part of it. I have a wife who is amazing as well. She's white. She is woke. (laughs) Right, as, as the young people say, and we can come as a couple to consult, to talk, to help work out some of the kinks, particularly in faith based settings, um, who are trying to move forward uh, in this milieu of interculturality that doesn't always seem to make sense. Now, don't get it twisted, think of us as a hundred proof, single barrel aged whiskey. Uh, we'll go, we bring it. But if you're interested and you want to talk more, come to whitehodge.com, fill out the little form there on contact, send us an email, and we'd love to talk with you about that. I've also published a lot of books around race, faith, hip hop, gender. Check those out as well. Yeah. Fair pricing. We'll work with you uh, and your organization, but check us out, whitehodge.com. Thanks. I look forward to talking with you and seeing you.